This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, it's The Saint, a radio adventure program in the States that featured a character, a swashbuckling devil may care Robin Hood type, who, in his attempt to help people, remained just one step ahead of the police and the crooks, both of whom he combated. It was created by author Leslie Charteris. The program's introduction said the saint, alias of Simon Templer, was known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. Began his life on radio in January of 1945. An article noted the involvement of the character's creator, saying, All scripting will be under the supervision of Charteris, who will oversee the adaptations of his published works. If any originals are to be done, he'll do them. Edgar Barrier starred, and Bromo Seltzer was the sponsor. Vincent Price starred in the third version, and in most of the show's episodes, in the first two versions that followed, he's uh, best known for, of course, his performances in horror films, although his career spanned other genres. He appeared on stage, television, and radio, and in more than 100 films. He has two stars in the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame, one for motion pictures and one for television. Price, by the way, was also an art collector and arts consultant with a degree in art history, and he lectured and wrote books on the subject. He was also a noted gourmet cook. And now the episode of The Saint entitled The Tuba. Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Hi, Mr. Templer. Theodore. Excuse me while I drag her in, huh? Drag her. Oh, okay. Yeah. There she is in. Good. She is a very nice tuba, Mr. Templer. Um, perhaps. I will take her out of the case now but and... Theodore, if you lift that confounded thing to your lips, you're a dead man. You do not have to get violent, Mr. Templer. I don't. Theodore, you forget that on one occasion you trapped me. I have heard you play that thing. Well, I... I have never before nor since wanted to be deaf. 
Well, Mr. Temple and I have been practicing since then. Are you trying to tell me you now play better? Well, louder. Goodbye, Theodore. I have got a problem. I don't doubt it. But not what you think. It ain't the neighbors. Oh, they've all moved out, huh? The landlord nailed my windows down. He's a man of genius. My problem is something else. It would help if I... Keep away from that tuba. But I only want to play... I've never strangled anyone yet, but there can always be a first time. Okay, I won't demonstrate. But you heard me play. Five years of my life went down the drain on that unhappy day. What did I play for you? It had a title? Well, I guess it don't really matter. On account of... I only know one piece, so... Well, anyways, that's what I played for Mr. Stanley. Uh, who immediately and no doubt happily proceeded to return to Africa, yodeling for Livingston. Nah. Mr. Stanley is hard of hearing? No. He is a maniac? Nah. He hates music? No, he is the guy who owns a Stanley Casino, which is kind of upstate and is a very swanky roadhouse-type roadhouse. Oh, you had him tied to a chair? Mr. Templer, he asked me to play. He called me up and asked me to come over and play. And? And after he heard me play, he hired me. Oh? To do what? Sweep the roadhouse? To play the tuba in his band. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but tonight it's happened. Words have failed me. Not only has Mr. Stanley hired me, but he is going to pay me a hundred bucks a week. And not only is he going to pay me a hundred bucks a week, he also handed over a hundred bucks in advance. In cash. <laughs> Theodore, I suppose I should congratulate you. Oh, thanks. But what's your problem? Mr. Templer, I love to play the tuba. But I don't play it good, I know that. You're an honest man, Theodore. Even I sometimes can't stand the sounds I make. <laughs> Mr. Templer, nobody would pay me dough to play if it was legitimate. You may be right, Theodore. So what should I do? I still got the whole hundred bucks. Should I give it back to Mr. Stanley? Well, what kind of a man is he, anyway, by reputation? From what I have heard around, he is a very big operator type. And I do not think he has had a reputation ever since he was expelled from reform school. Oh, why was he expelled? Oh, he lowered the tone of the place. Hmm. Theodore, when do you start working for him? I make my debut tonight. Debut? I see. So what I'm asking you, Mr. Templer, is will you please be there when I debut? That means there will be at least one friend of mine in the audience, and I got a feeling I am going to need a friend. You may be right, Theodore, but if the roadhouse is the kind of place most roadhouses are, the patrons will be thinking of other things than music anyway. <laughs> yeah, but suppose they think of murder. Mr. Templer. Yes, Louis? It ain't none of my business. Will that stop you? No. I didn't think it would. One of these days, I'm going to hail somebody else's cab. So then what happens to my wife and my six... No, no, don't, don't, don't say it. I haven't got a wife and six kids. You never will have if you don't keep your eye on the road. Up here in the country, what could I run into? A tree. True. Yeah, but Mr. Templer, I started to ask you something. You're going to the Stanley Casino. The Stanley Casino is in the country. Westchester, Louis. Yeah, well, the same thing. Also, the Stanley Casino is a very romantic place. Fellas take their girls there. Now, you're not uh, equipped with a girl, therefore... So why, why am I going there? To listen to a friend of mine play the tuba. Well, one thing you can say for that, it's different. It's also true. Yeah. Mr. Temple, I'm not saying I can understand why a guy would want to play a tuba in the first place. But maybe he's got a reason... But for somebody to voluntarily listen to him, then there's no excuse. <laughs> I'm fond of Theodore, Louis. I have a feeling he may be in trouble. Oh, that I can understand. You see, he must have been hired for a reason that has nothing to do with his tuba playing. Now, what it is, I can't imagine. Maybe you should have stopped him. I couldn't, Louis. It was a job, and, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should have. Maybe not. 
I feel a little like Hamlet. Oh, this I got a feeling I'm going to regret. What do you mean you feel like Hamlet? Uh, he couldn't decide either. Of course, you remember his famous soliloquy. I think the children should ought to be sent to bed right now. The one that begins, tuba or not tuba, that is the question. <laughs> Oh, it's a nice joint, Mr. Templer. So it is. Nice of you to ask me in to dinner. Can you afford it? Yeah, the prices are a little high. Now. My steak could have bought a cow. Yeah, perhaps, but it wouldn't have bought a floor show. And judging from the decor, the floor will shortly have plenty to show. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Embarrassed, maybe, but surprised, no. Hey, look, the band is climbing into the bandstand. Yeah, I know. The only trouble is... Oh, I don't see no tuba. No Theodore, either. Maybe he got fired. Before he even started to play? No. Louie, um... Finished my dinner. Don't have to digest it for a while yet, so if you want to go pay a visit or something... I very definitely do. Come along. Okay. Only where are we going? Well, there's a door at the left of the bandstand. Several people have used it. We might try. Could be maybe an exit. Well, then the head waiter will stop it. Yeah, he ain't. So? So we try it. Mm-hmm. Well, very nice hallway. Got walls on both sides. Yeah, not to mention a roof. Light coming through the transom of that door up ahead. Mr. Templer, we're looking for Theodore? We're looking at the moment for anyone we can find. I don't hear much noise coming out of that room. This might be Stanley's office. Come in. Uh, Good evening, Mr. Uh, Stanley. Ah. Mm -hmm. Guess here, gentlemen? Yes. Well, of course, I'm always delighted to see guests in person, but I'm sure my head waiter will do anything to satisfy you. Tell me, uh, uh, does he employ the musicians for your orchestra? Are you musicians? Well, not exactly. We're interested in one of your musicians. That's all? Uh, which one? Theodore. Theodore Coogan. Coogan? Coogan. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but the name isn't familiar. I, of course, I know all the boys in the band, of course. Uh, what does he play? He, uh, well, he insults the tuba. Tuba? Hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but we don't have a tuba in my band. What made you think your friend Theodore might be playing for me? Oh, rumor. Well, I'm afraid it was an incorrect rumor. However, if your friend's a good man, you know, <laughs> the novelty might be worth something. Send him along to me, and I'll I'll see him. Oh, that would be very nice of you. Only thinking of the casino, that's all. And now, uh, why don't you gentlemen run along and enjoy the floor show? Oh, thank you, thank you. That's exactly what we'll do. My apologies for having intruded. Not at all, not at all. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, real courtly type, huh? Mm, very. Come along, Louis. Hey, this ain't the way back to the floor. I know it isn't. We're not returning there. Why not? We don't approve of floor shows? It's not that. Back to the building would be around this hey, abandoned. Come on, Louis. We'd better go back. Uh, Mr. Templer, I could lend you a few bucks if you're short and you're trying to duck the dinner bill, you know, I think. <laughs> but it isn't money I'm worrying about at the moment. This leads right back to the casino floor, which is bad. Therefore, we're left with... Uh, yeah, that staircase. We go up quickly. Okay, up. Of course, we don't know what's upstairs, but at least we may not be expected there. Is that good? Better than what's likely to happen downstairs. What makes you think something's liable to happen downstairs? The instant I mentioned Theodore to Stanley, he casually pressed a button at the side of his desk. A button which I suspect is his equivalent for a danger signal. 
Danger to who? I'm afraid, Louis, to us. Mm. a landing and another hallway. Well, I'll have to try. Another door on this side. Also locked. So far, all this upstairs consists of is a lot of doors which are locked. The rooms are probably used for storage. And they will realize shortly that we didn't return to the floor, so the back door was guarded, so he'll know we didn't leave through it. Which means... Yeah, he'll come up and see us sometimes, and the sometimes is going to be now. It is. Of course, I don't know whether Stanley intends anything too drastic. We haven't seen Theodore. Look, supposing we had. Well, let's try this door. This one's open. Come on. Quite a sweep. We better didn't use some sweet air in this sweep. Maybe they ducked up here. Shut the door, Lloyd. Okay. Is there a bolt on the door? Yeah. I slide it. You slide it. You know, it ain't very strong. Yeah. Window over on this side. Hey, it's a room with a view. Yeah? Yeah, what we've got is a view of the parking lot. Directly below the window is an extension of the building proper. Mr. Temple, this is the time to get architecture. The window. Oh, it's cold out. Perhaps. Hey, let go. Out, Louis. The roof of the extension is only a few feet below. So it's out. Good. It's a solid roof, Mr. Templer. Good. Move over. So we're out on the roof. So? Hey, wait a minute, Louis. Huh? Someone down there in the parking lot. Oh, yeah? And even from here, I can see he's carrying something besides small change in his right-hand coat pocket. Armed and unquestionably forewarned. Room service back in the room is getting impatient. Only a short drop to the ground. Louis, jump down. Jump? But, but, but... And let that man down there come to you. You stay right down below the edge of the roof. I'm calling you. Louis, hurry. Okay, okay. Hey, you. Oh, me? Don't move. Never broke a lease in my life. Keep your hands away from your pocket. But they're in my pocket. I said... Okay, okay. I heard what you said. Well, here goes. (laughs) 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 Mr. Temple, you didn't say four and you landed right on them. Hey, got cold. Come on, Louis. Yeah, I already located this over to the left. Come on, let's take a cab, huh? Temple? Yeah? A very good foot racer, I ought to tell you. I take it back. I just gained 50 miles an hour. We're almost to the cab. The light isn't too good for their aim. Their aim could be too bad for our health. Ow! Hey, Louis, were you hit? No, they scratched the fender. I just painted it. I'll buy you a new fender. Quick, Louis, in. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, come on. Mr. Tempter, did we stop at a gas station on the way out Yeah, here? yeah, the one with the flying red horse just outside the city. We should have taken the horse. Oh. Ah, no, we're going. Those bullets are breaking the speed limit. Yeah. Oh. oh, boy, I think we're out of range now. <laughs> as long as we ain't out of gas. Hey, Louie. What, what, what? I just remembered. What is it, Mr. Tempter? What happened? I forgot to pay the check. Yeah, Louis. I ain't as big a coward as I sound. <laughs> of course you're not. I'm bigger. Why don't we go home instead of visiting that tuba player? Louis, Theodore may be in danger. Uh-huh. And when they fire bullets at us, we're not in danger. Huh? Uh, you mustn't forget, Louis, that Theodore has to worry about his tuba, too. Oh, this touches me. Okay, we'll help Theodore protect the tuba. 
But if we wind up in the hospital, who'll need a tuba? We will. A tuba toothpaste. I guess he ain't in, Mr. Templeton. Apparently not, however. Hello. Ooh. That's a tuba player? Oh, good evening. Um, I'm Simon Templer. This is Louis. I'm the Queen of Transylvania. But don't let that bother you. Oh, well, may we come in? Of course. The king is out of town. <laughs> now, there's only one trouble about being the Queen of Transylvania. What's that? There is no such place as Transylvania. You're right. <laughs> But I didn't want to frighten you outside. Or upset the neighbors with your gun? I always worry about the neighbors. And now that you have your gun pointing at me, what am I supposed to worry about? A good explanation of why you're looking for Theodore. Why does that concern you? I don't think I like people who go around looking for Theodore. Maybe they can't help it. It's, it's a neurosis or something. Yeah, I might want to offer Theodore a job. Doing what? Well, uh, playing the tuba in an orchestra. And I'm the queen of Transylvania. You'll have to do better than that, Mr. Templer. The car. Unless I'm guessing badly, the number of people you dislike is shortly going to be increased. I don't... That car which just stopped outside may be bringing more seekers for Theodore. Don't move, please. <laughs> See anything interesting through that window? Sorry, just stop me. Somebody's getting... Huh? Both of you stay where you are. And don't try to follow me. Hey, look at it. Well, right out the back door. That's not polite. No point in following her. I'd rather find her than Theodore. Any another room. That door. You still think maybe Theodore is here? I don't know. This is the bedroom. And... Oh, well. Well, what, you, you found Theodore? On the bed, Louis, lying on a lovely white sheet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been shot full of holes. Don't look good on him. No. No, he's dead. Thoroughly dead, but... Uh... That's not Theodore. The doorbell. Undoubtedly, Mr. Stanley and his friends, however. Mr. Templer, this is no time to pick a corpse's pocket. Wallet. Yeah. All right, come on. We may still make it if they haven't put anyone on the back door. And if they have? Let's not cross any bridges until they collapse under it, huh? Something with what you just said. Clear out here. Fire stage. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No bridges. We ought to be able to make it out of the building. You know something? This is one time I would like to run into a cop who'll ask me where's the fire. There's a more important question, Louis. Where is Theodore? Look, Mr. Templer, have we had enough escapes for tonight? I don't know. Louis, the corpse back in Theodore's apartment was a man named Max Carter. Oh, that's why you swiped his wallet. There wasn't nobody around to introduce him to him. Yeah, that's right. Does that wallet also tell you why he was murdered? No. Therefore? Yeah? Suppose we stop at the nearest drugstore. Mr. Temple, I couldn't eat a thing. That's not what we need a drugstore for. Now, look, there's one up ahead, Louie. Okay. Hey, no, Mr. Temple. Wouldn't you have thought that whoever killed that Carter guy could have been smart enough at least to swipe the wallet so that the body wouldn't have been immediately identified? No, no. I suspect it was very important to the killer that the body be identified, and quickly. I will say, aha. Uh-huh. 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 This, this makes me sound smart, like I understood what you said. <laughs> so now I can be a dope again. We're in the drugstore now, what? Uh, so we find a phone booth. Yeah, this one. Yeah. 
And we make a phone call. Well, if you'd have had a chance at least to get a phone number, I would know who you were phoning. But you didn't. So who you phoning? The police. Louie, I've got to find out who Max Carter is. Lieutenant Archer here. Oh, Lieutenant, Simon Temper. The lieutenant just left for the upper Amazon. Good night. Well, what's the matter with the lower Amazon? Too low. <laughs> Simon, what can I do for you? Who is Max Carter? Crook. Drug addict. Blackmailer. A wholesome little character. I see. Suppose he was found murdered. I'd give three cheers. And after that, you'd suspect whom? Killing Carter? Huh. Thousands of people. But the first guy I try to get in touch with would be a little tuba player named Theodore Coogan. Theodore Coogan? Why, Lieutenant? Well, Coogan was engaged to a girl named Wendy Breen. Very much in love with her. She committed suicide. Because of Carter, huh? Yep. So, unless Theodore had an ironclad alibi... Lieutenant, Lieutenant, not ironclad. That went out with the bustle. Simon, why are you interested? In the bustle? No, in Carter. Well, maybe he has a bustle. Goodbye, Lieutenant. <laughs> That's interesting. What is... Louis, I am about to ruin an old problem. Oh, Mr. Templer, be careful. It's sometimes necessary to pay the piper, true. But then it may also be necessary to prevent him from piping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get back to the cab. The lieutenant mentioned why he would suspect Theodore? Yes, Carter was the reason for a suicide of a girl named Wendy Breen. Theodore was going to marry her. Oh, that's plenty motive here. Okay, the cab. <laughs> well, where to? Uh, twice around the park. What? Huh? Mr. Templer, you're not the man you used to be. <laughs> Don't be silly, Louie. The Queen of Transylvania has joined us. Uh-huh. I've been following you two. Well, we're flattered. When you stopped, I paid off my cab and decided to use yours. Oh, cozier? Cheaper. <laughs> Mr. Templer, why were you looking for Theodore? I wasn't. Not in his apartment, at any rate. What were you looking for? You know that as well as I do. You'd better tell me, anyway. You know, you really should have words with your dressmaker, your revolvers showing again. Besides, do I really have to tell you? You were in the bedroom. No, I didn't have a chance to... I mean... Go on, start the car. I start, Mr. Temple? You start, Louie. Now, suppose you tell me what you were looking for. I'm the one who has the gun. I don't have to answer any questions. Not mine, perhaps. The police, however, will be ruder and more insistent. The police? Mm. Excuse me for interrupting, Mr. Templer, but uh, we are being followed. Oh, by someone else beside the Queen here? <laughs> Must make quite a procession. Louie, can you get any more speed out of this cab? Well, there's a car right in front of me, going slow. Then you might try passing it. Okay. Hey, he's swinging over right in front of us. How do you like that? Well, Mr. Stanley is thorough. One car in front of us, one behind. Hey, we're boxed in. Good evening, Mr. Templer. Louie will sue you, Mr. Stanley. He's very touchy around the fenders. Oh, indeed. Well... And can that be my beautiful moon? I've got a gun. Half a dozen of my boys surrounding the cab, and you better let me have that gun. Uh. Thank you. Now then, will all join me in my car? I uh, think you'll find it more comfortable. But I like it here. Besides, your car is black. It reminds me of a funeral. You know, that's a very interesting comment, because that may be precisely where all of you are going.
Stanley Casino, huh? <laughs> Beginning to feel like my little home away from home. Well, I'm so glad. The back way, boys. Come on, come on. You don't have to push. My office. No one minds. Oh, no, my love? I don't mind. Good. Is she going to ask me to? No. But I mind. Shut up. All right. I just don't like to be overlooked. Well, make yourselves comfortable. My boys will remain here to keep us comfortable. Now then, what's to do about you? Not you? quite yet. Mr. Stanley, I need five minutes of your time. Five minutes? Well, I might be able to spare them. Why would Mona here have wanted Max Carter dead? An interesting question. I suspect he was blackmailing her. Mona has been a naughty girl on occasion. Then she was in Theodore's apartment in order to kill... I wouldn't kill Theodore. We're friends. I beg your pardon. I hadn't been thinking of Theodore, however. Mr. Stanley, had you also tired of paying Carter off? The tense you're using bothers me, Templer. Oh, stop. You know as well as I do that Carter's dead. Oh? But, Mona, you told Louie and me that you hadn't been in the bedroom. How did you know Carter was dead? Uh, I, I just get. That's a very tired attempt, Mona. You know, Templar, you're the bearer of very welcome news. I am? <laughs> then Carter was blackmailing you, huh? Oh, discreet silence. However, it's no longer worrying you with Mona's admission. And by the way, Theodore must be on his way home now, huh? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Although I can't understand why you assume I know anything of Theodore's whereabouts. No? Well, in that case, we may as well leave. Yes, I think so. Will you drop Mona off at police headquarters? Or... I didn't kill Carter. I would have liked to, but he was already dead. My dear girl, I suggest that you save that impassioned cry for the jury. What jury? The one that will try her for the murder of Max Carter. Oh, but she won't be tried for that. She didn't murder Carter. Well, I thought... Uh... I'm sure the police would prefer Theodore. Theodore? Of course, Louis. We know he had a magnificent motive. Lieutenant Archer himself said Theodore would be in line for the chair unless he had an alibi. Yeah, but he's got an alibi. He's, he, he... No, no, no. What Theodore will try to say is that he was hired as a tuba player by Mr. Stanley here. Came to the casino, but instead of being permitted to play, he was bundled into a car, driven about for hours, and then released. Well, that would give him an alibi. If he were believed. But his alibi depends entirely on whether or not Stanley really hired him. Mr. Stanley has already told us he didn't. Yeah, but he could be lying. Possibly, but after a jury heard Theodore play the tuba just once, whom would they believe? No one would believe Theodore. So? Theodore would stand a very good chance of dying in the electric chair. However, oddly enough, Theodore will be believed. Having fun, Templar? First you pinned it on Mona, then on Theodore... Now, suddenly, you're changing your mind again. Uh, what's the idea? You'll be believed because first I shall corroborate his story. The jury could think that you were perjuring yourself for a friend. No. Because you see, Stanley, other people besides Mona and Theodore wanted Carter dead. Let's suppose that one of them got Theodore out of his apartment and then put Max Carter's already dead body in there. That would put Theodore, if you'll pardon the expression, on the spot. Well, how would this theoretical person get Theodore out? By making him a fake offer of employment, by seeing to it that no one would later believe in that offer, by also making sure that Theodore would have no alibi for the critical time. Mm -hmm. That person, according to you, could only be myself. <laughs> well, that's a clever theory. More than a theory, Stanley. Carter was shot full of holes. 
That's how I described it. Yet the sheet on which he was lying on the bed in Theodore's apartment was a lovely white sheet. That's how you described it. But it should have been red with Carter's blood. Therefore, Carter was killed elsewhere and moved to Theodore's apartment. That does it, Templar, I'm afraid. You'd been bright enough to keep your mouth shut. What's that? I suspected the police. I didn't notify them earlier because Theodore was in your hands. What I did do, however, was leave a matchbook in Carter's pocket. A matchbook? Yes, yes, one supplied by your management when Louie and I dined here. I knew your plan called for one of your men to notify the police anonymously of Carter's death in Theodore's apartment before I... Okay, open up. You're having company, Mr. Stanley. You'd better open the door. They're calling for you. Well, Mr. Templer, we got through it alive. Perhaps. But will we ever be the same? Is that bad, Simon? Well, I never would have met this Queen of Transylvania otherwise, so... Simon. So? So? So long live the Queen. listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, almost by definition, freedom has been an integral part of America. It is the foundation upon which our political philosophy is based. And now we must reaffirm our faith in that philosophy. This is the sentiment expressed by the crusade for freedom. The purpose of the crusade is simple. First, to bring moral and financial support to a radio station operating in the heart of Europe itself. A radio station which gives the communist-dominated countries a chance to hear the voices of their exiled democratic leaders. To tell the world just what America stands for. And to bring the truth to the ears of subjugated Europe. To reaffirm your faith in freedom, join the crusade for America, for all humanity. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the Saint. Good night. This adventure of the Saint was written by Louis Vitties. Our cast included Mikey Morley. As Mona and Jack Moyles as Theodore, Victor Rodman was Stanley, Frank Gerstle the lieutenant, and Louis is played by Larry Dobkin. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Staffier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen with Errol Flynn and Michael Imprell in William Marshall's production of Bloodline. Saint fans will be glad to know that the comic books are now available on the newsstand. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Today, Cary Grant and Betsy Drake star in the premiere of a delightful newcomer to the NBC Sunday lineup. Mr. and Mrs. Blandings. It's top listening, so be sure to hear the Cary Grant of Mr. and Mrs. Blandings later on NBC. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Faye in an episode entitled Live Steer. And that's no BS. Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs>
It's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family druggists. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Gail Gordon, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Like most housewives, Alice is concerned about the high cost of living. It's been bothering her for some time. And this morning, she's decided to broach the subject to Phil. Phil, can I talk to you a minute? It's about the household bills. and Honey, please. I have no time for things like bills. I'm a musician. (laughs) An artist, honey, an artist. My mind is filled with nothing but music. Now, if you'll excuse me, I want to listen to this record. What's the name of it? The Warsaw Concerto by Shostakovich. You're going to listen to that? Certainly, and if I like the tune, I'm going to sing it on the program next week. That ought to be different. Now, look, Phil, I've got to talk to you about these bills. We're spending too much, and it's all your fault. You're too extravagant. Look at this pile of bills from Saks Fifth Avenue, John Fredericks, Hattie Carnegie. Whoops, I (laughs) picked up my pile by mistake. And I'm extravagant. Well, you are. Look at these bills. Custom-made suits, hand-painted ties, imported shoes, suede shirts... All right, suede... all right. Watch your blood pressure. Take it easy now. Picking on me. How about this bill? $8 for manicures, $15 for finger waves, and $20 for facials, massages, cold creams, and lotions. Are you going to find fault with this one? No. No. Those items are necessities. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. Being in the public eye, I need all them things. <laughs> Besides, I'm not the only one that's extravagant. Look at these household bills. Look at this one from the grocer. Why do we need all these imported cheeses and fancy canned stuff? You won't eat anything else. <laughs> oh. Well, how about this butcher bill? Why do we have to have steaks, chops, and prime ribs all the time? That's all you'll eat. (laughs) Oh. Well, how about this $40 milk bill, and let's see you tie that one on to me. Bill, there's no point in arguing. William suggested we cut down on meat. As our business manager, he feels we can save money there. In fact, he's out right now doing the shopping for us. Oh, well, he's doing the shopping. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fine. Ain't that ducky? I can just see him raising Mary Ned because the price of Dutch cleansers gone up a halfpenny. <laughs> Look, Alice, I'll tell you one thing. You'd better come home with steaks because Frankie and the boys in the band are coming over for dinner tomorrow night and they'll be expecting those nice, juicy steaks I always serve. Oh, boy, I can't Good wait. Good morning, Philip. <laughs> Well, if it ain't Bargain Boy Faye, the scourge of Safeway. How did you make out, William? I got everything you need for tomorrow night. Oh, it was quite a load to carry. 
I'll tuck it out. <laughs> well, give Grandma your basket, little red riding hood. <laughs> Come on, Willie, open the sacks. Let me see those steaks you got for tomorrow night. My mouth is watering for some of those oh, good... Oh, Philip, I didn't get steaks. I got something much more delicious. Yes, I did. <laughs> something better than steaks, huh? What are we having? Creamed codfish balls. <laughs> Creamed cod... Willie, please, don't say things like that. You know I'm a musician and I just got up. I'm in a weak and... <laughs> Green cut. Philip, the cuts of steak you like cost $1.50 a pound. Much too expensive. Now, the menu I, I prepared for tomorrow night is excellent. Cream codfish balls are wonderful. They're inexpensive, nutritious, and positively delicious. Thank you, Prudence Penny. <laughs> I get lost, Elroy. What are you trying to do, poison my friends? With you arranging the dinner, how can it possibly be a success? It will be a success, Philip. It will. I guarantee that after a few cocktails, there... I don't care what... Cocktails? <laughs> Brother William, you may return to the fold. <laughs> all is forgiven. Well, hey, are you sure you got enough to drink for all of us? Definitely, Philip. I got two whole gallons of sauerkraut juice. Is it cold? <laughs> Sauerkraut juice? Yes. Isn't it an ideal combination? Oh, Daph, Daph. <laughs> yes, indeedy. I can't wait to dunk a codfish ball into a puddle of sauerkraut. <laughs> really, Philip, I don't know why you're making all this fuss. Alice, do you see anything wrong with a combination of sauerkraut juice and cream uh, codfish? Oh, please, please, Willie. I feel a little faint myself. <laughs> Thanks for your help, brother, but I'll take over from here. Mm -hmm. Very well, Alice. I'll just carry it into the kitchen for you. Uh, shall I leave it on the table or shall I put it in the refrigerator? Just throw it on the floor. <laughs> Maybe the cat will get at it. <laughs> Willie, Frankie and the guys are coming over for steak and now... Come in! Frankie, I don't mind. He's like one of the family. He don't come over just for what he gets to eat. Ah, oh, hello, Frankie. What time do we eat, Curly? <laughs> Frankie, the dinner isn't until tomorrow night. Oh. Well, in that case, I better take off this napkin. <laughs> I could have sworn that you said tonight was the dinner. All right, all right, come on in. You can have dinner with us tonight, too. That's real nice of you, Curly. Frankie... Look, I'm glad you came over. Something's got me awful upset. And, well, you're the only one I can talk to. Seems like you're the only friend I got who will listen to me. Yeah, what time did you say we're going to eat? <laughs> I didn't say. I told you that it's still three hours until dinner. You're a little over-anxious, aren't you? Of course not. I didn't come over here just to eat. Then put away the knife and fork. <laughs> Look, Remley. I got some bad news for you. Yeah? We're not having steak tomorrow night. I hope you don't mind, kid. No, that's okay, Curly. I ain't particular. I'll eat anything. If I can't have steak, I'll eat something else. What are we going to have? Cream codfish balls. Frankie, come back here! <laughs> now, come on inside. All right, but if you ever say a thing like that to me again, I'll punch you right in the nose. <laughs> Close that door and come on in. 
You ought to know very well it ain't my fault. Willie says that we're spending too much money on meat, and he's going to arrange the menu. Willie, that's square. Suppose that means we're not going to have any drinks before dinner. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, sir, we're going to have cocktails. Good. What kind? Well, we're going to have... Excuse me. What are you doing? I got to bolt the door before I lay this one on. (laughs) Frankie, we're going to have sauerkraut juice before the codfish balls. (laughs) Sauerkraut juice and codfish. Curly? What? I hate you. I want steak. Stop thinking of yourself all the time. Alice says steak costs her a dollar and a half a pound, and we can't afford it all the time. There you are. That's the trouble with women. They don't know how to shop. Why should she pay a buck and a half? Curly, why don't you do the shopping? You can buy in quantity like a guy I know. He bought a whole steer, and he got it for 30 cents a pound. He had it cut up and packaged, and he brought it. 30 cents a pound. That's all. Yeah. 30 cents. That's all. Hey, I could show Alice. With a whole steer, I could have steak every day. Sure. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, what does a steer weigh? Pretty big, Curly. They weigh about 100 pounds. (laughs) About 100, huh? Cost you about 30 bucks for the whole thing. If you want one, I know a guy who's got a ranch and I can get it for you. You can? Uh Hey, look, Frankie, I'm going to buy one. Look, I can't leave now. You go over and buy it for me. Get the best meat he's got. Have it cut up into steaks and charge it to me. Okay, Curly. I'll take care of everything. Good. Now, you buy the meat and let me know as soon as you consummate the deal. Okay. <laughs> consummate? What's he expect me to get? Soup meat? <laughs> Gee, I wonder why Frankie hasn't called you. He's been gone two hours. Oh, man, I can't wait to get that meat in the refrigerator. Just think, a hundred pounds of nice, thick, juicy steaks, all cut up and neatly packaged. And... Hey, I bet that's Frankie now. Oh, I can't wait to sink my teeth into those ever-loving fillets. Hiya, Curly. Hiya, Frankie. Well, did you buy my meat? Yeah, I got it with me. Already? Well... Well, don't just stand there. Bring it in. Okay. Come on, bossy. (laughs) Frankie, what have you got there? Your meat. Beautiful hunk of bovine, ain't it? But I didn't want it that way. I wanted it all wrapped up so I could put it in the refrigerator. Okay, get a piece of paper and we'll wrap them up. Frankie, I thought we were going to have it butchered and all cut up. Oh, this guy's just a rancher. He doesn't butcher it. Uh, Curly, it cost a little more than I expected. Instead of 30, it cost 40 cents a pound. 30, 40, 30. What's the difference? <laughs> all right. I don't mind that. Certainly it's all right. 40 cents a pound for 100 pounds Curly? is only... Curly? <laughs> what? Weighs a little more, too. <laughs> How much? 1,100 pounds. (laughs) 
Reverend, uh, Remley, why do you do these things to me? I never done nothing to you. I never kicked your grandmother. I never did what nothing to you. What are you getting excited there? about? What oh, are you getting 11, excited about? Instead of 30 bucks, it's costing you a measly $440. <laughs> Besides that, you got enough meat here for two years. Still cheaper than a dollar and a half a pound. Oh, I guess you're right. But what am I going to do with this animated Bull Durham sign? <laughs> Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. Fine. Yeah, eat it. It's fine. Oh? I can just see him walking around the dining room table and everybody takes a bite as he goes... <laughs> eat it. Please, Curly, let's not be ubiquitous. <laughs> Naturally, we slaughter the animal first. Let's take him in the kitchen and get started. Frankie, we can't bring that thing in the kitchen. Well, why not? Alice is a little eccentric. She don't like to have strange stares running around the house. <laughs> Antisocial, huh? <laughs> it's none of my business, Curly, but at times your wife is inclined to be difficult. What's the matter with her, anyway? Well, you know how women are. She's just... Oh, shut up! You go! <laughs> Why, if Alice ever saw what I bought, she'd think that I'm completely Bill. up. Bill, who rang the bell before? Hey, it's Alice. Quick, Frankie. Now, leave that steer on the porch and come on in and shut the door. Hurry okay. up. Okay. Now, not a word to Alice. She mustn't know that you've Bill. got... Bill, Bill, did someone come... Oh, hello, Frankie. Hi, Alice. Say, you look very well. <laughs> well, the same to you. No. <laughs> Stomping out on our porch, Bill. Who? Oh, that's, uh, oh, oh, honey, it's my lady harpist. <laughs> what is she wearing, army shoes? What is she doing out on the porch? Who brought her over? Your wife's a nosy little blonde, ain't she? Quiet, will you? Keep quiet a minute. Alice, listen to me. Now, the lady harpist came over to rehearse, and, um, well, she, she didn't want to disturb us, so she's practicing outside. <laughs> Well, I must admit, she's playing it much better this week. <laughs> Bill Harris, I'm going to see who's out on that porch myself. Alice, I wouldn't go out there for... I'm going to see... Ah! Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh, Something Phil. wrong, Alice? Oh, Phil, Phil Harris, what is that horrible monster you've got out there? Oh. Huh? Oh, honey, it... Oh, it's just a steer. What? I bought it to save money on meat. Look, now this way it only costs 40 cents a pound and we'll have enough meat for two years. Yeah, come on, Curly. Let's take it in the kitchen, cut it up into steaks and put it in the refrigerator. No, no. Now, wait a minute. Don't you take that thing into my kitchen. If you want it slaughtered, take it over to the butcher. Okay, we'll take it over to the market. Come on, Curly. All right. Hey. What? Hey, Remley. How are we going to get him over there? Same way I brought him over to your house. Hey, taxi. <laughs> You brought the steer over here in a taxi? I had to. The streetcar is too crowded. Cut that out! Which reminds me, Curly. You owe me $28.75 for taxi. Fare. All right, all right. You'll get it. It's only a half a mile to the market. We'll walk it over. All right. Come on, bossy. See you later, Alice. So long, fellas. Gee, I'm a lucky girl. It isn't every husband who brings his wife a live steer. Oh. 
East is East and West is West and the wrong one I have chose. Let's go where I'll keep on wearing those frills and flowers and buttons and bows and rings and things and buttons and bows. Don't bury me in this prairie, take me where the semen grows. Let's move down to some big town where they love a gal by the cut of her clothes and I'll stand out in buttons and bows. We'll love you in buckskin or skirts that you've homespun. Oh, but I'll love you longer, stronger, where your friends don't tote a gun. My bones denounce the buckboard bounce and the cactus hurts my toes. Let's buy moose where gals keep using those silks and satins and linen that shows. And I'm all yours in buttons and bows. Cause the city's where I feel at home And not the lone prairie My bones denounce the buckboard bounce And the cactus hurts my toes Let's vamoose where gals keep using Those silks and satins and linen that shows And I'm all yours in buttons and bows Give me eastern trimmings Where women are women in high silk hoes And peekaboo clothes and French perfume That rocks the room And I'm all yours Hey, Ramley, we're blocking traffic. Can't you get this rump roast to move a little faster? <laughs> Maybe if you got off and pushed it, it'd help. Hey, Curly, look, we're at the market already. Already, he says, already. Hmm? It's taken us two hours to go a half a mile. Now, let's get off and take him over to meat market. I hope nobody sees us with this Hi, stuff. Hi, Mr. Harris. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello, Julius. Hi, kid. Good to see you, Mr. Remley. You too, Mrs. Remley. <laughs> What are you, wise guy? Mrs. Remley? It's possible! <laughs> I've seen you out with stranger looking things than that. All right, all right, you two. Break it up. Let's break it up. Hey, kid, where's the butcher that owns this meat market? He's at the market across the street buying lamb chops for his wife. He buys his meat across the street? Yeah, he can't afford to buy it here <laughs> What do you want with him? I want him to slaughter the stare So, you're leaving Rexall and going on the beat meat, meat business, huh? <laughs> Smart move, Mr. Harris You'll make an excellent butcher Wait a minute, I ain't leaving Rexall and I ain't going in the neat business either <laughs> I knew all the time he wasn't that old. Meat business. <laughs> I'm not going in no meat business. I wouldn't know how to butcher anything. I heard your program last Sunday and I begged to differ with you. <laughs> I 
But you can't slaughter it for you. You gotta have that done by the packing company downtown. Downtown? How are we gonna get them downtown? I'll wrench is my delivery truck. All it'll cost you is 20 bucks. 20 bucks? Hey, Remley, this thing is adding up. Well, we gotta have the truck. Here's your 20, kid. Hey, he's actually got the dough. <laughs> you must have got your allowance from Miss Faye. Yeah, I did get no allowance from Miss Faye. And don't worry, there's plenty more where that came from. So long, kid. Uh, wait a minute. There's something stamped on this money. There is? What does it say? This $20 bill was stolen from the place of Alice Faye. Stop it! <laughs> Hey, Remley, let's get out that packing house. We don't slaughter cattle for individuals as a rule, Mr. Harris, but I guess we can accommodate you this time. Oh, gee. Thanks, mister. I'll take the steer. Gee. Kind of... Kind of hate to see him go. I've... Become sort of attached to him. Stop slobbering. <laughs> go on, bossy. Go with the man. Go on. Oh, go on, will you? This ain't no attitude to take. The man ain't gonna hurt you. Oh, Frankie, how can you lie to the animal like that? <laughs> Let me talk to him. Bossy, I know, I know, I know, I know how you feel. But, but that's life. Horns up, old boy. You've, 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 you've just got to face these things and, and, and be brave. Mr. Harris, are you related to this steer? Of course I'm not related. It just just breaks my heart to have you to have you slaughter him and cut him up. Would you rather take him to a mortician and have him laid out? For crying out loud, let the man take him. Come on, boy. You gentlemen wait here. I'll have him ready for you soon. Well, Mr. Harris, your steer has been slaughtered and cleaned. That will be fifty-five dollars, please. Fifty-five dollars? But I... Oh, well, I guess it's worth it. I still have eleven hundred pounds of prime beef. Not exactly. (laughs) You realize in slaughtering there's a little waste. Oh, sure, of course. Certainly. I expected that. Uh, What does it weigh now? Six hundred pounds. Six... But it weighed 1,100. What happened to the rest of it? Well, in cleaning, there's a shrinkage. What did you use, a cheap dry cleaning fluid? (laughs) This thing is now costing me 80 cents a pound. Wait, wait, wait. That's still less than a buck and a half, Curly. We'll take our meat, mister. Like this? Don't you want it dressed? No, we'll eat it nude. But you can't eat it like this. You have to have it dressed. All right. Oh, that's okay, mister. That's all right. Now, we'll... How much does that cost? Wait! Whisper it to me. Lay it on me lightly. 
Well, it shouldn't be too much. We can have it dressed for you for uh, $85. Hey, who's going to dress it, Adrian? <laughs> we'll take it to the Star Outfitting Company. They do a cheaper job. Quiet. <laughs> Leave the man alone. Look, mister, go ahead and dress it and cut it. Anything just so I get my steaks and chops. Steaks and chops? Don't you want any other cut of the Look, mister, please, don't argue with me. I don't feel too good. Will you just get me my steaks and chops? That's what you want? Very well. Well, Mr. Harris, your steaks and chops are all cut and packaged for you. Thank goodness. Come on, Frankie, let's get the 600 pounds on the truck before we... Right. Um, hmm? Um, mister... Uh, we do have 600 pounds, don't we? Not exactly. <laughs> uh, how much? 100 pounds. You only wanted steaks and chops, you know. But only 100 pounds. I told you steer weight only 100 pounds. I told will you keep... <laughs> Look, mister, let's forget the whole thing. Glue my steer together and I'll take him home, will you? <laughs> Brimley, you got me into all this. Buy a steer, save money, 30 cents a pound, enough for two years. Look, I never want to see you again. Mister, give me my meat. I'll take it. Like this? Oh! Oh, I know I'm a sucker for asking, but what now? Well, for this much meat, you'll have to have it quick frozen. You'll need a locker. And for only $120 a year, we can let you have one of our best lockers. A locker yet? Look, I just want to eat this steer. I don't want him to join a country club. <laughs> I know he's a pedigreed steer, but do we, does he have to be a social butterfly? But, Mr. Harris... All right, all right. I'm too weak to argue. I'm trying to save money, and now these steaks are costing me over $7.50 a pound. Remley, this is all your fault. My fault? I can't help it if you pay black market prices for me. Yeah. You know something? If I wasn't sick, you I'd punch you right yourself. in the nose. It's guys like I, you that cause inflation. Me. You brought the steak. Like this, you brought a steer in my house. Keep you had him coming all over. Kill. I need meat like I need a whole day. What are you trying to tell me? I'm so sick. Now, oh, now, take it easy, honey. He'll be all right, won't he, Doctor? Yes, he just suffered a shock to his nervous system, resulting in a slight case of high blood pressure. Mm. All he needs is rest, fresh air, and lots of nourishment. Nourishment? Well, cost me a fortune, but at least it wasn't wasted. I got a hundred pounds of meat to help build me up. Uh, Mr. Harris, one other thing. Yes. No meat for six months. <laughs> station for the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy show which follows immediately. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night it's The Lone Ranger followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.